It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. morning good afternoon good evening and a very very happy new year especially from the red fellas uh we're very 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 privileged to have you guys and your company on another sunday night the first sunday of 2023 here's sunday right yeah it's sunday because i'm sure like me guys you have no recollection of what day is what night is and all that kind of business that's what happens yeah in this period but you kind of know if you use red fillers as your gauge that it's Sunday and it's probably 8 p.m. You're very welcome. You're tuned into Red Fellas. Happy New Year, as I said from everyone. Hope you're all being well. Hope you're all being being safe. Um, hello, Cav. Hello, Evan. You see the panel. I thought we'd get um, try to get as many red fellas in the building as we can, and we've done pretty well. Some doing very well, some have not been too well. I guess the ones that are well. We pass. But Evan, you've not been too well recently. Uh, hope you're doing well and hope you are much better now. No, much better now that we have this star-studded six-man Redfellows panel. This might be my first six for Redfellows. Yeah. Uh, we, we've yeah. had six on a show, you know, on a different show, but perhaps the first six-man Redfellows. I'm, I'm very excited. No, absolutely. It is, it is. And Jamie, again, it seems like... Um, Seems like there's there's stuff in the USA still going on with this illness stuff, man. Hope you're doing well as well. I know you haven't been too well as well. Doing doing better now that I'm here on Red Fellas, and it's uh, it's a new year, clean slate. So 
looking forward to it. Absolutely, absolutely. People, get your comments, get your questions in the chat. People are saying evening, what a lineup indeed. I'm absolutely humbled and privileged to be here. Of course, we've got the stalwarts, uh, the 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 Virgil van Dijk and and then and the Milners and the Jordan Hendersons in the chat as well. Uh, Steve, you, you you keeping well, Steve? Depending on which of those three you're going to classify. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Uh, as the elder statesman, I'm sorry. Uh, no, not sorry. I think you'll be honoured and privileged to know that you're James Milner. Okay, as Conroy looks like he's just come in from doing the most horrendous weather forecast ever. Um, no, that, so, that's, a, that's a normal day in Scotland, mate. <laughs> yeah, isn't it just? No, not too bad, quiet one um, for me and the family this year. Um, yeah. So hopefully we're, we're looking forward to 2023 and, and seeing what that brings, uh, both on and off the pitch, obviously. So, yeah, yeah, not, 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 a, not, a, not a wild one by any stretch, but uh, we're, we're all well, thank you. Absolutely. And Conroy, it's true. Uh, you come in like it's... Um, storm uh, you come in like a uh, on the back of a storm but it's normal right for you it's like just everyday thing the storm yeah it's normal yeah acclimatized i think yeah a lot of people would last two minutes in scotland to be honest i think when people complain about 14 degrees that's t-shirt that's that's taps half weather tops off weather in scotland so yeah definitely you're used to it by now honestly i think it was minus 12 a couple weeks ago or minus nine sorry and i feel like wow was it minus four between minus four and minus five, that's when like that's really cold. But you know, low low degrees, that's that's standard practice in Scotland. You know, if we Amazing. get four days of summer, it's a very good year. Four sunny days, <laughs> that's a good year. Amazing, uh, Kev. I know you're well. We've done about two shows in the last week, um, but yeah. I, I mean, I'm very interested in. I haven't asked you about your new um, uh, thingy box. They look very cozy. They look like what I would put on my door before, like, you know what I mean? But you've actually got them. They're actually the real door, right? Yeah, these are a Christmas gift from uh, my girlfriend. So thank you to her. I can just hear you guys all that better now. So, mm. you know, it's all good. I'm trying to work out if Cristiano Ronaldo's girlfriend's got him the better gift or your girlfriend's got you the better gift because she bought him a new Bentley, right, or something. What was it? What car mm. was it, lads? Was it the yeah, car? I, like... I think it yeah, was yeah. it. I think it was a Bentley or a Rolls or so. Hey. Anyway, yeah, I mean, it's on. It's yeah. on a level. Yeah, it's, it's hard. I, mean, I think the chat's going to be split. To be honest, when they consider yeah, it, exactly. Uh, Kumar says, "Hello, people. I'm back to watch Redfellas after a long time. Glad to see some old faces and new ones. Hope you will have a peaceful year." Where have you been, bro? What do you mean you're back? Where did you go? Hopefully, everything was fine and you were safe. Um, you've just been busy as opposed to left us. Uh, can we smash up some likes, please, people, before we get into it? Of course, before we get into everything else, we have to speak about our channel sponsors. You already know, but if in case you don't know, we are sponsored by your futcard.com, your go-to place for your football prints, your artwork, your custom flag, your pre-made flags, uh, pre-made flags, anything you want for any sports fan. You can get, and that's true. Actually, I keep t getting told off by them by saying it's not just for footballing uh, prints. You can get, you can get any sports prints done. Darwin Nunes there, Thierry Henry, the famous Aguero goal there. Guys, these are your go-to places for anything like that. You already know my stats. I'm very intrigued to know what your stats would be. Um, let me know. Actually, let me know your custom-made flags, your custom flag creator um, from West Bromwich. To, to the United Glazers out, to the Chelsea, and you never walk like anything you want. It doesn't have to be Liverpool-orientated. Of course, Redfellas will 
will uh, hope that it's Liverpool orientated. But if you're a fan of any other club, you can get anything else made. Go check them out, people. The website is yourfutcard.com. Type in Redfellas, you get nine, uh, 15% discount on top of everything else. So I'll repeat, check out yourfutcard.com and use code Redfellas, capital letters, for 15% off all your good stuff. Um, can't really go wrong, really. Um, people, ladies, gentlemen, uh, in the chat, I've got the, I've got the, I've got the, the panel in today. We're going to discuss a variety of things. We're going to discuss the year that we've just been had. We're going to discuss our highs and our lows, our personal highs and our personal lows, and where we're at. Where's Liverpool at? Where are we now? January transfer window, ownership sale talk. What does the future look like? And what did 2022 bring to us? And I guess, Kev, I'll come to you first. Um, a difference in a difference in mood from this time last year. I believe, uh, obviously, we already know we were in every single competition, looking really strong, looking really healthy, um, and we weren't really anticipating too much in January, were we? Last time round. Yeah, different uh, last year, as you say, in all the competitions, as we were right until the very end. A lot of faith in this team. Um, a lot of the guys that had been um, playing for us for a few years, and we'd sort of built that confidence in, were there. And it was a it was a great start in eleven, core fifteen, if you like. And um, there was real, real confidence at this point last season. We were kind of murmuring about a quad. Some people were like, "No, I don't want to hear it." You know, I don't want us to start talking about it and embarrass ourselves. Other people were like, "All for it," and thought, "Yeah, why not? This is an incredible team with an incredible coach." That's where we're at this point. Um, Slightly different this time around because um, we've got a team that is got bags of quality, as we know, but inconsistent, although we still remain in three out of the four competitions, despite what you might think about the league. So um, it's perhaps not as a position of strength as we were in last season, but um, it, things can still happen for the remainder, which we'll talk on in a bit. Absolutely, absolutely. How do you feel, Evan, compared to last season? How's this year been to you overall in terms of Liverpool, in your Liverpool space? Um, um, give, us a, give us a feeling of the 2022 that you've endured and faced in terms of, as again, in your Liverpool space uh, and where you are kind of right now before we go into looking into the future. Um, you know, the 2022 as a calendar year was an entirely mixed bag for Liverpool. I mean, we came within, uh, you know, nine, 90 minutes of, of the quad uh, in, in, the, in the final minutes of the season. Um, it wasn't to be. And then um, the, 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 the recruitment phase, I, I think, both was both you, you could point to a lot of positives and you could also point to a lot of negatives uh, in the recruitment drive during the summer. So, so going into the season, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting us to hit the ground running as, as perhaps I've expected in different campaigns. Um, and now as we ring in the new year and say goodbye to 2022, I'm, I guess perhaps I'm missing a bit of a feel good factor um, around the club. 
obviously the signing of uh, Gakpo has been, you know, really nice. You know, we always welcome in fresh attacking talent. That's great. Um, but I guess yeah, I, I'm, I'm feeling the weight of Liverpool Football Club these days and this, uh, the weight of all the good things we have. So I'm trying not to have an inherently negative outlook. You know, I'm, I'm feeling the weight of having a generational coach like Klopp and, you know, three or four generational players in the starting 11. And the reason that's making me feel a bit sad um, as of January 1st, 2023 is I'm, I'm a bit concerned that we haven't done, the, done enough off the pitch to, to get the most out of this wonderful generation of players and uh, coaches that we have at the club right now. So I'm, um, I'm looking around for a feel-good factor around the club, and I, I think 2023 should easily be a better year for Liverpool. Um, and, you know, I think like Cav said, it's not nearly as bad, I think, as the internet makes it out to be. Still feeling pretty good about three or four of the competitions. And the top four scrap isn't looking pretty much like a scrap because uh, it, it's uh, our, our competitors for the top four don't seem all that interested either. So that's where mm. my headspace is at. Steve, I'll come to you. Um... I'm in agreement with, with with Evan that it's not as half as bad as, as Liverpool Twitter makes out. The reality of it is, though, that we're not as stable and as strong as the 1st of January 2022. But the future, for me anyway, does seem to be brighter, if that makes sense, because we've got the Klopp extension. We had the Salah extension. And now we had the, because we didn't have that. Am I right, guys? At January 2022, we didn't have neither of those in place, right? That is kind of, for me, quite convincing enough to know that we're still in a good place overall, Steve. Yeah, it, it isn't as bad as popular opinion would have you, have you believe. It's not where we want it to be, but it's, it's certainly not as bad as perhaps... People suggest that it is. And you're quite right. The extensions of Klopp and, and Mo Salah and the, the inclusion of Luis Diaz. Um, and then obviously Darwin Nunes, who, who, irrespective of scoring goals, is absolute box office. And I'd rather he, he was doing what he was doing for us than anybody else, to be honest. And obviously, as as uh, Evan references, the, the recent signing of, of Gakpo. Um, so set sort of the final third of the field, we should be very happy with our options. Um I think I think we all agree to a man that we dropped the ball considerably so in, in the centre of the park, and we'll get to that in a bit more detail as we go on. I suggested in the WhatsApp group, I didn't think the Premier League was all that this season. Uh, Arsenal side, Arsenal having a great season, and, and Evan very quickly pointed out their points is a, a world-class haul in any season. I still genuinely believe a Liverpool team in full flow, a Manchester City team in full flow, and even a Chelsea team that delivers more than the one they're doing now you don't see what you see in the Premier League. I think Liverpool for 20 minutes in, in, in a defeat at Arsenal earlier in the season looked like they could take something from that game. And I think we all came on the show afterwards saying, but for that 20 minutes, we were poor. I, I'm not taking anything away from Arsenal. If the league table ends up and they end up being champions, league tables don't lie. But someone's already alluded to the fact that our top four rivals don't seem to fancy the fight much. And they probably feel the same about us from game to game as well. We were very, very lucky against Leicester, as we all know. So in that regard, um, there's still plenty to play for. It is it is frustrating where we are where we are, because I think if we're 10, 15% better than we are at the moment or have been, 
we're we're doing a much better attempt at challenging for the league title. So if Arsenal win it, and it looks at the moment like they've got as good a chance as anybody, fair play. I don't think the Premier League generally in terms of the standard is, is particularly high this season. And that only adds to a little bit of frustration for me because we're not competing. Yeah, Jamie, it's, um, I guess, yeah, frustration is definitely a key word, probably in all of our uh, uh, vocabularies in terms of when we're discussing or describing how we feel about the season that's just gone, or the year that's just gone, because so close to immortality, footballing immortality, yet so far, and now... We're, you know, to, 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 to many outsiders, we're not very stable. Key figures going or gone behind the scenes. So a couple of gone and a couple going. But as I said, the core, the core foundations of this club are still there. And Jurgen Klopp extending was one of the main, main uh, positives for sure this season, wasn't it? This year, I keep saying season. I mean, he's the guy who told us to go from doubters to believers. And last year, January 1st, 2022, I think we were, what, 14 points back with the game in hand on City. And so I know Arsenal is 15 points ahead and, and they don't look necessarily like they'll implode or something like that or that we would be able to catch them. But, you know, just for the context of last year and this year, nothing is impossible. And with Klopp, I think we saw as close as he possibly could get to the finished article with the team last year of getting performances out of Sadio Mane, Takumi Minamino, Divock Origi. And now those three players aren't there and there's a new age and a new generation of players coming through where Klopp has three years to again build and develop, but this isn't a build and develop job from when he came in in 2015. There are still integral parts of this team that can go and compete. And look, I think everyone here would fancy a midfielder in right now to give us chances for the Champions League. I think that would probably be our biggest uh, return on investment in terms of if we had to invest all of our focus in one competition for a trophy in terms of the biggest thing that we could get, significance, whatever. Without a midfielder coming in, I, I, I just don't know. But at the same time, with this crop of players, if we can get some consistency in, which I feel like has plagued this Liverpool side for the last 18 to 24 months in terms of having an 11 that's fit for, let's say, a 12-week span, if we could get something like that, I think we'd start to see a Liverpool that would rail off wins the way this Liverpool team and City have railed off wins in the last three, four years. I mean... Lucho, Diogo, those guys being out, it doesn't help anything. And I feel like we're always coming up into a situation where there's one or two things against us and we always have to overcome. But with that being said, we have grit and that's something that can take this team further this season as well. Mm. Conroy, your thoughts? The year that you've just witnessed, enjoyed, frustrated, how have you felt throughout the season and, and, and the year? And how, how do you feel going into sort of the near, the, the 2023 version? I feel like when you win two trophies <clears throat> or in general, that's it's a, it's a good year. You know, I think I've always said it's important to keep winning 
I think um, sometimes we just, well, it's a Champions League, Premier League, I get that, that's the major thing, but there's a reason a lot of these teams around us have won so many trophies the last couple of years is because they do that. I mean, you laugh at Chelsea and Grizz, obviously you growing up, Chelsea had the takeover and that, but Chelsea, look at the amount of trophies Chelsea have won, won in those, those periods of time, even if it wasn't a league, a Champions League, they were always, you know, getting a trophy, League Cup, FA Cup. And so I don't, I've never thought that was a bad thing to have that habit at all, to be honest. Um, so I was happy with that. I've got to be honest, one in two finals with, and with two penalty shootouts <clears throat> is very rare. I don't know if it's ever happened before, but you, we should should have been counting our putting the lottery on that week because to that happen twice against the same team and two finals in the same season. So I think they, they might be the best way to win a cup, but also the worst way to lose as well because it's just horrible watching that. So from that side of things, you know, I wrote some notes earlier. That was our... They were great, to be honest. Uh, the experiences I had, I think it was in Greece when we won the FA Cup with Kimikas scoring the winning penalty. And as soon as Manny missed, I thought, that's it, we're done here. Because you, you don't get that much luck in penalty shootouts. We got got that over the line. And obviously, with uh, Kepa, Sky and, and the League Cup, I was at a, a bar in Glasgow with, with uh, St. LFC TV. So, brilliant experiences of last season. And it was great being part of the YouTube community as well when, when they came up. It really was brilliant to analyse both those victories. On the flip of that, if we look at the lows, I've got to be honest, I think as um, Cav said, when you go for everything, you know, it probably hurts just a bit more because the quadruple, it's what you're hearing constantly. I think we're all quite level-headed, so we didn't, you know, jump on the bandwagon. But when you get to the Champions League final, get to the last day of the season, you can't help but, you know, dream what could happen. So the Champions League for me is still, still <laughs> right now, still stings, especially because... I really hate in football when the predictability factor comes in and you see what's going to happen, and it does, because that, that really feels like you should see that. And obviously football doesn't work that way, but Real Madrid beating Liverpool in that Champions League after beating all those teams on that run, with Ancelotti coming out and saying we're the most predictable team to play against, even I'm watching it with 20 minutes to go, I'm like, we're not scoring in this game. And I've got to be honest, that's still one of the worst feelings because you feel like you've got all this in your armory, but you, you couldn't, you could, you just felt like you, the team didn't believe they were going to score in the last 15 minutes, and that mm. was that was a real downer, to be honest. And I, I won't speak too much longer on the lows, but I would say another one is this season. I think that loss to United is still most pathetic performance I've seen by a Liverpool team, um, and under Klopp, I'll stand by that, especially where we are in, in that process. So. They three were the ones that stood out as being, you know, lows. But I think we've got to be, we've got to have a good perspective. There's been the pros and cons. It's been a good year. Could have been better. That's the way I'd look at it. Fair enough. Um, it saved us a bit of time because Conor has given us his lows already, even though I didn't ask. Oh, him sorry. Yeah, but it's, a, it's okay. Oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. Yes, one less than that. Everyone else with Guys, there's a solid, solid base of over 430 of you already in here in the first 20 minutes. We love and appreciate and humbled by your support. But we, we, we're begging a few likes, as always. So just hit that like button first and foremost, and that would be amazing. Cav, mm. um, highs, talk to me. Uh, whether it's a moment, whether it's a game, whether it's an incident, what is, what's your high been in terms of a Liverpool fan of this season? Um, we'll start off with a high. Your personal. My personal high is is a moment that I think really sums up the club and what separates us from the rest of the teams in this country. And that was the parade after um, 
not winning the Champions League. I just think football is a beautiful game and we all enjoy watching it and breaking it down and analysing it. But, you know, it gives you moments that you just, you know, you can't quite replicate in life. Just moments of pure warmth in your heart and ecstasy and all sorts. And I just felt like that parade after what, you know, not winning the Champions League and stuff, the players have come out since and said how down they were. And Klopp just walked in and, as he does, motivator of men, he got them all to, you know, get themselves back on their feet, get back out there, go celebrate it. I know rival fans looked at it and mocked it a little bit, but that's because they don't understand what's so special. Much like when we went and cheered off to the uh, in the West Brom to all game, they didn't realise then yep. what it means to be collective and and uh, and together as a club and part of this special club. And that was just another moment that happened last year now that I just thought no matter how bad times get at Liverpool and, and the results are bad and the performances are bad, we just have something that's so unique in and we demonstrate it when we do these things. And that's what will always make sure that I have faith in this club that good times are always ahead because we just have this strength that I don't think other clubs quite have. So high for me was was that parade. I thought it was truly something special that came out of football. Evan, I want to ask your high parade, uh, your high parade, your highest moment, <laughs> happiest moment. Um, but I also want you to um, sort of speak about this time last year, and we're going into sort of the crucial part of the season. When did you, A, just very quickly, when did you start believing or did you ever start believing that the quad is on? And this is special what we're doing right now. When did you, re when did it really hit you? Um and and also your highest moment as well, if you may. Um, I, I think I think it hit me when Luis Diaz hit the ground running so effectively, because um, I thought we hadn't done enough uh, in summer twenty one uh, going into that season even. So I, I was worried about the legs of the team. And we and don't get me wrong, we did look very leggy uh, in the in the final month of last season, and we did look leggy in the Champions League final. But Diaz um, counteracted Salah's sort of drop off because Salah, the first half of the previous season, he was his best run of form ever for us, perhaps. Um, and I think in, in a previous year, uh, if we hadn't brought in you know, attacking reinforcement in January and Salah had fallen off and there had been nobody there to pick up the slack. I don't think we we make that run. So Diaz, in, in multiple competitions, I thought the spark and energy and the eventual output that he brought made me think that this was possible and we got oh so close. So, you know, seeing, seeing what Diaz was able to do immediately um, and how he was able to like I said, balance out Salah's uh, goals drying up uh, a bit towards the end of last season. That that made me think that the quad was a possibility. Um, there's a lot of good highs. Uh, obviously, you know, there I can't really think of a high from the current season, but from 2022, uh, the calendar year, there's some good highs in the first half of the year. And my personal favorite is the Takumi Minamino uh, equalizer against Leicester in the final minute. Um, from what I understand, Leicester City fans, the traveling fans, some of them were singing some of the vilest things heard at Anfield uh, in quite a, quite a long time or 
Uh, so for uh, for Minamino to silence them, and then we eventually went on penalties was a was a great feeling. And those uh, those cup runs, the domestic cups, the infamous domestic cups, you know, the, you know, it, it, it became fun. The know, ones that grew on you, the ones that grew on you. Let's just say, put it that way. Yeah, the, the ones that grew on Creeped up on I, you. <laughs> exactly. The ones that I now endlessly respect and will never speak down on again. Um, that, that was a lot of fun. Calibo Evan. Calibo Cop Evan. That's his name. Now. Yeah, oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. So sorry. Um, but yeah, the... The cup runs were, were really fun. Um, and, of course, Minamino, not just in that game, but he was responsible. The goals he scored in the domestic cups for us going uh, to the finals in both of those competitions. So I think I'd choose a Takumi Minamino moment. And, I mean, for a situation in the 96th minute, that is one of the most calm, composed, cushioned finishes on the, on the volley, like on the half volley, like so many – players so many amazing players snatch at that and hit it way too hard or hit it way too high but he passes that on the volley into the corner of the net and it's a incredible finish for I think a player who is obviously really good but perhaps not probably the best fit for a, a Klopp Liverpool team mm, yeah now that's fair enough actually for a way of assessing Taki Minamino Steve your best moment of 2022 from from a Liverpool space I think I think we should be proud of what we accomplished per se for the whole season. So we've got to the point where we played every single minute of every single fixture and was competitive right up until the end. Shouldn't be lost. Um, I'm going to I'm going to go down the Evan route a little bit with regards to this one, and I'm going to say um, Jota celebrating the penalty against Leicester um, for again for the same reason. They've just been to Anfield this week and done exactly the same again in terms of the songs and the, the attitude and the vile nature of their fan base. So it's nice to see Jota basically tell them to, we know what he said. Um, so, so Jota sticking it up, the Leicester fans scoring the winning penalty. I think I think the, the, the downside, obviously, is, is, is the Champions League final. I think because that's my thing and I've seen them all and, and I kind of, that's my, my coup de grace, if you like. That's as good as it gets. Um, to not leave everything out there, as the saying goes, against Real Madrid was, was, was difficult to take. Um, we didn't show up. We didn't give a very good account of ourselves at all. Although, you have to uh, sort of add to that, who can play football particularly well in a situation when the fans had the experiences they had before and during the game. So I think that had some mitigating circumstances to the team's performance, but it was just so, so close. I think if we beat Man City for the league... We find the uh, euphoria and the energy to go and win the Champions League in, in, in France. Uh, sadly, it wasn't to be. But I think, moreover, the whole season, lots for us Reds to be proud of. Going that deep into the season in every single competition was immense. Mm -hmm. It was indeed, absolutely. Um, Jamie, what got you really, really excited and happy and sat there smiling you know, I, I'm a dreamer. And so that's why I've always felt like Liverpool is the perfect club for me. And so I feel like my highest moment was based off anticipation and the possibility of anything. And for me, I, I felt like that moment really culminated with Ibrahima Kanate's header against Manchester City in, um, in the cup and beating them over at, at, at Wembley in the sunshine and, and you know, the, the amazing uh, pass and intricate play of 
of Trent and Thiago for, for, for the Mane goal and then Mane running Stefan into, into the net. Um, at that point, it was like, okay, for me, the quad is real. This, for me, was the last leg right before the finish line of the final Premier League game and the Champions League, where if we beat Man City, it's like, okay, this thing for me is really now on. And, um, you know, sometimes you can even watch a game as an international fan by yourself and, and have a great time. My wife was out of the apartment, and I just remember when Ibu scored, I was up running around my apartment. I had absolutely lost my head. And, you know, football, it gives us these moments, and, and so I'll forever be grateful, even though it didn't pan out the way we all would have wanted with the four, just to live in those moments and be happy. I feel like that's what happiness is about. Feel it for yourself. It doesn't necessarily matter if it works out all the time. It didn't for us, but I love that moment for the anticipation it brought. And are we getting into lows or is it just highs? No, just highs. Just highs. All right, I'll leave it there. Everyone already knows, you know, the cups were amazing, big queeve, but I'll leave that for, for somebody else. Conroy's done his low. So, Conroy, was there a high for you? The one, one high moment for you that you thought? I mean, <laughs> it, may be, it may be something unusual or it may not be like the simplicity of just winning a cup or, 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 was, yeah, or, or no. is it, was it? No, I think, Evan, um, can you hear me okay, guys? I don't know, I have any mm -hmm. issues with my mic. Mm -hmm. Is that fine? Um, no, yeah, the, the, the Leicester, that's a great shout. That's such a clever shout because everyone thinks uh, Jota's celebration, but it's easy to forget how good that finish is. Because it's, it's not an easy finish. It's such a hard finish as well. So many players would just smack it, maybe close at the keeper or, or hit it over. It was very composed. That's a great shout. I feel like one for me is, people keep saying the 5-0, but I think the 5-0 is 2021. Was it not at Old Trafford? I may be wrong. So I would say the 4-0 at home when Diaz scores two minutes in. Because... I've got to be honest, how many times have you watched United, even throughout the years, you know, not always, um, let's say, batter us, but you know, convincingly to beat us. But for us to do that, the 4-0 last season, so it was 5, so it was 9-0 in, in aggregate, that was a personal favourite of mine. And I think Diaz, I think it's Salah who plays the ball across, it's like the second minute. It was just, that was a great, great, great performance in a it was just great to see. That's got to be up there as well. There's maybe a specific moment. I would probably say, I think you mentioned it as well, eh, Mane's goal against Manchester City. Um, I think that was already slightly mentioned there. But that, that was to make it 2-0 at Wembley in the semi-final. I thought that was just that just signified how it was like a, a trademark moment for this group of players. I know Diaz obviously got introduced as well. But it was just, it was such a good goal. And it was... Um, I think it was really a really good moment of last season. If you ask me to say this is one of the best moments of the season, I would say that moment. Mm. I'm, I'm in agreement with this. You know that if you ask me, and none of you have asked me, cruel lot that you are. Um, <laughs> I think I think the whole journey, the quad chasing. I think that the year, the thrill, and the buzz of of just playing every single game, winning game and game and game and game. I think. As a, as a fan, that's what you want, right? That's what you want to be part of. Like, that's a rarity, guys. I don't think any club's fans are going to have that where they play every single game of every season, uh, every game of every competition possible, aren't they? Uh, for me, that was a sensational feeling. Yeah, there's lows. Of course, there's lows. But I'm, I'm guessing, Cav, and it's just a guess, I'm guessing the lows probably... 
going to be in relation to this particular season or was there something else that you had in mind for your low? Uh, do you know what? I did. I did. I was um, I was going to mention a particular game, but um, I've gone back on it now. Um, not to steal somebody's comment, but I just seen it and I was like, yeah, I have to mention that because it is uh, not a low, but just need to acknowledge um, Sadio Mane left our club this year. Uh-huh. And, and, I, and I wanted to mention it because he was a guy for me that um, during the whole time I've watched Liverpool, we've always had good players who were great players and and um unfortunately they've kind of moved on to other clubs and and really broke our hearts without naming the guys i'm sure we all know who they are sadio mane was one for me that came into the club and just kind of was the first sort of piece of the puzzle on the Jurgen clock to get us on our way to being one of the best clubs in europe you know the fight the energy the pressing the goals the assists it was just that guy you know i think he was the spark that really we needed. And I just loved going into every game knowing that he was on the team sheet and people can think there were better players in our team and they'd probably be right. But he was a true warrior, a true proper warrior. And I remember at periods in his Liverpool career where we was having genuine conversations about whether he was the best left winger in football. I remember we come up against... um, uh, PSG at one point and, uh, and Neymar was on the opposite side and people were genuinely saying which is the better left forward in world football that's how peak he was but to combine that quality with the fact that he was so clutch in the fight and the desire I just absolutely loved him as a player and when he left he left because he just wanted a new challenge and he spent a, a, a really good period of time at Liverpool and gave us his best years and his utmost and he left in a, in a nice way, I believe. You know, he didn't break our hearts going to a yeah. rival or anything. You know, Bayern Munich are a great club. Of course they are. But he 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 went for his own reasons and he sort of went with my blessing. And I really, truly believe that in today's game, there's so many talented footballers out there and there will be players similar to him. But in terms of a guy that leaves it all on the pitch, he's so humble, down to earth, an absolute fighter. I think he's truly special. And I, I um, it's not a low... But I just felt like this guy left this year. I've got a highlight in. He was so no, it was absolutely huge for me. Huge. No, no, no. It was huge for me as well. Someone in the chats reminded me of that as well. You're right. Um, Cav nailing it, Ahmed says. Um, Ev, low for the year, not the season. So I don't know. It can, can cross into sort of last year or this season. Um, the, the big one, obviously, is the Champions League final. But, you know, I pretty sure we would all have that number one. So I guess what is my number two? Um, I don't know. I don't know, you know. I, yeah, I think, I, I I think it's, it's a bit of a tricky one. Because me personally, no. What am I talking personally? If you carry on, sorry. Because yeah, I, no, I just I, wanted to respond to that. Like, I don't think it's nailed on for everyone, the Champions League final. I'm assuming. Yeah. You're I maybe for for a lot of people it would be. I'm just trying to think mm. of something that I would. I, I'm just trying to think of something for the purposes of the show that I wouldn't be echoing what it's already been said. Um, I think Forest away this season was particularly shit. Uh, it, it was well mainly because it was early on in the season, uh, October twenty second. It was confirmation of our deepest fears, um, just sort of about the health of the squad. You know, we we were playing with a very weakened team. Um, no Trent, uh, Fabinho, 
Elliot Jones, I believe, was the midfield three. You know, Fabinho, who was looking very tired, very leggy. Um, and then Carvalho playing at left wing. Uh, so that that's kind of what we were playing with, Firmino and Salah up top. So, and we got completely overworked and overran in midfield because we have we had a you know a holding midfielder who many think has been run to the ground due to a lack of rotation played an insane amount of minutes last season and then um people then you have you know elliot jones who for all of their promising qualities people have very strong arguments to suggest that perhaps they're not natural fits for the eights in a, in a clock four three three and so we we were we went into the game week you know we had players out illness injury whatever it was and people had asked questions all summer about the strength of our depth and the strength uh, of our depth in midfield. And to see us so conclusively overworked, overran, and physically dominated by, in my opinion, the worst team in the league, um, that was really, really discouraging. And unfortunately, it was confirmation of our worst fears even to somebody who, like me, I think I'm a glass half full type of guy when it comes to my support of Liverpool. So for me personally, that was a low because I, I wanted to pick myself up early on um, at the start of the season. I wanted us to look strong and refreshed despite us not getting the midfielder that I wanted last summer. So for that game to go the way it did with certain personnel missing, with the certain personnel called in to replace them playing, that was a real low for me, I think. Steve, lows. I think, I think low, low, actually. Not low. lows, yeah. No, I was just going to say low, not lows. I don't want to go into too many lows. I think, I think we, the we, low for me would be, I think the low for me would be, we, we've often said as a, as, a, as a group and as a, as a fan base, you have to be perfect to beat Manchester City to win the title. This season, it seems you don't. We can't capitalise on that. So I think how we positioned ourselves to get to where we are today and being that far off it and watching Manchester City lose points to Brentford and then to Everton respectively and not really do the things that we expect them to do. Um, wouldn't it have been nice to win a league title with, say, 78 to 83 points instead of having to do mid-90s? And we're, we're just not at the races. We can't capitalise on that. So I think I think when, when, the, when the club sits and reviews the season at the end of the season, whatever happens between now and... The final game, we've missed a massive opportunity to to give our fans the opportunity to celebrate a title because we couldn't do that because of COVID. Um, and we're all to a man sick of saying we want to see Klopp win more with this generation of players. I think that's a very common theme you hear from Liverpool fans. I'm no different. I'm just really disappointed we're not in a position to challenge this season. I think we've we've been the masters of our own downfall in terms of things we haven't done and and we're still not great but yet we're winning football matches so so the, we talk about small margins if we were at it we would be at it and we're not and that's a big regret for me yeah it's a regret it's frustrating like mad isn't it when we see that we have to play the perfect season every time we're in contention it has to be perfect because man city are almost perfect the couple of seasons that we've seen leicester city when they won it or you know, this time round, it looks like, you know, Arsenal are front runners at the moment. You know, we're, we're way off the pace. But what's a, what's a low, what was the low for you, Jamie, in, in, in 2022 from a Liverpool space point of view? 
Um, it, it definitely has to be uh, the last game of the Premier League season with all of the kickoffs being at the same time. Um, and just a quick caveat, it's not the Champions League final because for me, um, what happened in terms of getting the fans in was an absolute disgrace. So that game, I, I wasn't able to enjoy it from the beginning of that game. And so for me, that's why I won't go into that. But with the last day of the Premier League season, I was sat down at the Phoenix Landing where they have an official supporters club. And I got there with my wife early. I remember I think we were outside like an hour, an hour and a half before doors open. And basically, I just remember, you know, thinking about, I think the guy's name was Glenn Murray in 1819, who scored first on the last day for, for City for Brighton. And I just knew, I knew there was like two or three minutes before City had equalized in 1819. And for two or three minutes, I had that hope. And I was like, oh, I can't let myself get, get dragged into that. <laughs> and then, of course, what happens is I'm sitting next to a person in the bar who has on the City game on the phone except the City game on the phone is faster than the City game at the far end of the bar in the Liverpool bar, right? And so as we, I believe, equalized with Wolves or whatever the, the, the sequence of things was, I saw on this woman's phone before anyone else had seen on the other side that Aston Villa had gone up. So I got to be that guy that yelled in the bar, Aston Villa scored! Aston Villa scored! And everyone's freaking out. Like, they don't believe it because it's not on the TV screen yet because of the stream, whatever. It comes up. Everyone's going wild. And I just remember in that moment, I was sold. I really thought it's going to happen. We're going to win this league. And because of all of the, the, the years of missing out on the Premier League by such narrow margins, I wanted the Premier League more than the Champions League. And there's just that allure about it on the last day. And I, I just remember at the end of the day, um, as the games were over, you know, I was sitting with my Guinness and I had drank too much and I was already starting to feel a little bit dehydrated. And I was just thinking to myself, how do I let myself get this way? How do I let myself get so upset over this football club? But, you know, to be back here on day one of 2023, I, I'd do anything to be in the same position of hoping and praying that, you know, a couple minutes could go by and we could win the Premier League. But that's that's got to be my love. Yeah, look, we, you know, some great lows there, some magnificent highs there. But but I, I guess it's time to switch it around now to, to the current because whether it feels like it or it doesn't, we are on a crest of a high right now. We've won our last four league games. We go into the league 2023 season with a chance to redeem ourselves. Now, of course, we're not in a title race. So therefore, people automatically start saying, wow, how the standards have dropped. They haven't. It's just reality that we're not in a title race. Our standards are still, we should be challenging. We should be in the title race. But for whatever reason, the circumstances and situations have arose, we're not. But Conrad, four wins in a row, the last of which was, I know me and you said it, the most luckiest win you'll ever experience. Um, oh, yeah. There is positives. There is positives. With four wins in a row, Jurgen Klopp is still at the helm. Majority of our main players are signed up. There looks to be movement on the transfer front in terms of we brought in a forward. We have new ownership coming in. And despite sort of scaremongering, there is. There's new ownership coming in. 
which leads us to sort of a more positive outlook, right? I think so, Grizzly. I think it's like, as you say, you can, it's not like, it's such pessimism that we don't look forward to football matches. And it's just perspective. I feel like there's a thing you could, you could definitely see coming in the future. It's going to be interesting. Like you talk about the takeover. We'll, we'll know more, obviously, when that occurs and, and what, what is the game plan with that. But it's still going to be intriguing either way. Um, and hopefully it's, it's the positive way, which I'm sure it will be. I'm going to be the glass half full in this case because I think it will be the value of the club now and where we are. Um, and then, obviously, Klopp's, Klopp is the common denominator. That's maybe the wrong word. Klopp is the, the key here because by either way, Klopp loves the club and that's that's he wants to be part of it because he doesn't necessarily think like every other manager nowadays. And, and even if you look at Dortmund, he wants to be part of that. So I think ha- having him, to stay with us, especially, hopefully, if there's more money as well. I think it's going to be really intriguing because you've never really seen Klopp with that, the treasure chest, the, the, the treasure chest, you know, to, to create a squad and, and rebuild a squad. So that's going to be very interesting. I would say the, the worry I've got, though, Grizz, is like, I know it's going to be brought up soon, but I just feel like if you watch the last couple of games, and, and Evan's probably one of the, the ones who's been screaming this, from the hilltops for a long time about our midfield and in transition. But right now, I feel like it's obvious to everybody and their dog that at the moment, any team who can overload our midfield or who's got a fitter midfield or a younger midfield, it just looks chaos more in games. And I feel like that's why they like basketball matches or that's why it looks like teams are getting so many chances. And I feel like there's obviously other reasons as well, but the main one is that midfield. And, and that's the worry I've got. So say January finishes and we've not got a midfielder, I'm not saying that'll be the case. But if it does, I feel like it's going to be an absolute scrap to get a top four. Because every game will be like, see the Leicester game, the Villa game. We see this is a good run, and it is a good run. But if you break down those games, we give so many chances away, and that's that's the only worry I've got. But overall, Grizz, looking forward to the the, the this year coming. Can I be honest, how are you feeling going into it all? Is it is it dependent? Like so many people believe that it's dependent on a midfield a midfielder coming in in this window. We need to rectify mistakes or errors that have been made in the past, namely last summer and the infamous one where centre-backs were... All our centre-backs were injured. We didn't have any and we still didn't bring in any anyone of note. We brought in Kabak and Davis. Where you at with it all? Or do you believe it's slightly different from that scenario? We just don't believe the current midfield because at that time we had no centre-backs. Do you do you think it's slightly different now that we we, we have midfielders like... Obviously, the ones that we've got, we don't want to go through naming all seven, eight of them. It's just that we don't believe in them or trust in them. Is it a different yeah. scenario? I think I think it is slightly different, yeah, because obviously that COVID season affected finances in that January and, and what we could do with regards to transfers. Plus, we generally were down to the very, very bare bones at centre-back. This at the minute, I think we've got more options in the forward line, which is obviously where we've been hit at this moment in time. The midfielders are there, obviously hugely unreliable. But um, I think the transfers, definitely, we all know that we need to address the midfield and maybe come the summer, other areas of the team as well. Maybe goalkeeper we have to look at or maybe an extra forward and so be it. But we'll see when we get there. Just one thing I wanted to highlight with regards to how we're going to get on this season um, I think transfers, definitely. But one thing I would like to see, and we spoke about the players and, and those that have underperformed, I would like to see a better performance from Klopp. 
and the coaching team, to be honest. Um, I believe that in most games we've seen this season where we've been terrible, the starting lineups actually been good enough to win. And I've quite often watched games where we've come out the blocks and just looked uninterested. You know, and I mentioned this earlier on when I was talking to the other guys. I was saying, whenever we see a team come out and put in a performance like we've seen this season, where it's not just the quality, it's actually the attitude, the application, and um, and they don't look motivated. We always look at the manager and go, what's going on here? What's he doing with them? We know we've got injuries, but he's Jurgen Klopp. He's the motivator of men. How has he put out a team that don't look like they want to run around, don't look like they want to track back? And, and we all know why. It's because of injuries, not, not consistent lineups. Training must be difficult. People falling out of lineups, you know, the day before and things like this. But I do also think, you know, there's an element of Klopp and we've seen it because he tried to change around the formation and stuff, thinking I don't quite know or what I'm trying to do isn't quite working. So um, I get it's not all on him, but I would like the second half of the season is not only for the players to be better, because I think the big boys have really let us down so far. But I actually would like to see a bit more from Klopp in the tactics. I want to see better performances, better tactics, little things. You know, when we when we get a corner, I want to see a variety in them, maybe a short one. When we take kickoffs, I don't want to see the Matic poof up the, up the pitch. I maybe want to retain possession for a couple of minutes and things. I'm just thinking that we can't look at signings as the be-all and end-all to turn, not turn the season round, but to really get back to where we were. I actually think... There's quality in the squad at the minute and we should be doing better with that. And, and I am going to put, not blame, but I am going to look at Klopp for some of them things. Uh, Super chat from LFCR786 says, it just hurts so much that an Arsenal title completely undermines this team and Klopp's LFC reign. It just does. FSG's lack of ambition has killed us. Us fans, the manager and the players deserve way more. Um, Evan, going into 2023, where we find ourselves in sixth, obviously, you know, in touching distance of the fourth now, um, it's a wild season. It's a wild league. Plenty to still play for. But is it dependent on, and I think I know your answer, but I want everyone else to hear it as well. Is it dependent on the window that's upon us? Um, if, we're, if we're trying to healthily secure top four, um, and perhaps make a run in Europe, then I, th I think it is. I think the team is just about good enough, despite all of its current dysfunction, to scrape top four with that one. I'm definitely not advocating for that. I definitely want to see a midfield signing because conservatively, I think the midfield is about 200 million pounds away from where it needs to be. Um, I think all issues, obviously... The, the roots of them are off the pitch. You know, obviously you have uh, the, the departure of Michael Edwards recently, and then it's announced that Julian Ward is stepping down. Um, and then, of course, we have the pending change of ownership over our heads. I would like to see, in 2023, a return to the high-functioning, healthy Liverpool off the pitch that we have been so used to hearing about during the Klopp's reign. I mean, I, I mean for three to four years, it was, it was just all the athletic ever wanted to tell you was about how high functioning and healthy and, you know, harmonious things were for Liverpool off the pitch, you know, Klopp and 
Mike Gordon and Michael Edwards and the coaching staff and the recruitment team all working together harmoniously, you know, consistently turning water to wine. Um, I, I think the departure of Michael Edwards and now Julian Ward so soon, so unexpected um, to me as a fan, you know, obviously that could just be as simple as, you know, change of ownership, you know, people, people leave and it's, it's unavoidable. And, you know, to an extent it probably is, but um, you know, hearing things like Paul Joyce, uh, of course, you know, a month ago uh, published an article saying, you know, Klopp has more control over, uh, over transfers. He's completely taken that over. I'm not a huge fan of that because I think we were a little more high functioning, uh, a, a little more effective uh, as a club and as a recruitment mechanism when the, the strength that Michael Edwards brought to the sporting director role was still on full display and, and he was still a nice bridge between the camps. Um, and so I have, I have all these concerns about, you know, the sporting director uh, and then Liverpool or, and then Klopp and the, the rules they play. It's all very unclear to me here on the outside. And I don't think any of these questions will probably be answered until there's a switch in ownership because uh, uh, new owners could bring in their own sporting director. They could, you know, bring in, you know, an entirely new approach, a new philosophy to all things off the pitch. So I'm kind of, I, I would like this question uh, to be answered. And I know these things don't happen overnight. Changes in ownership don't happen overnight. Um, but I have so many questions and concerns that need to be addressed. And I don't think they will be addressed until it happens. So long story short, I would just like to have the feel good factor about things off the pitch back in my life again uh because with the two rapid departures of sporting directors back to back it's it's a uh, it's shaken my resolve a little bit it has it just it just goes against everything that you said we spoke about in terms of stability foundation solid unity everything that we based our success on um you know it's been so crucial to to the things that we've we've we've, we've described and talked on um but you you're right there is but but I'm going to have to leave you guys in the capable hands of <laughs> all of you guys. Um, I have contractual people reminding me in the chat. Oh, yeah, uh, I think so, yeah, definitely. Yeah, do, do you think, yeah. I mean, there is, first and foremost, there is no bigger six than this big six. We are the big six. We are the big Liverpool six. So please, show some respect to us first and foremost by hitting that like button. There's 600 of you in here. There's six of us in here. Can we show some respect by hitting close to at least 300 likes? 300 of you should surely like our faces. I mean, come on. We are the Liverpool six. But anyway, uh, I'm going to leave on this super chat. Brilliant segue, isn't it, Cav? Do you see the way we've just done that? Like, you know, you, you <laughs> message me in the chat. Um, Chris, are we going to buy a midfielder or not? Also, is the De Jong real interest, uh, interest real? You're asking me like I signed the checks, brother. <laughs> I don't sign the checks. Do you know what I mean? Um, but uh, but I hope we do. I believe we do. I know the godfather of LFC journalism, Mr. Paul Joyce, has come out and said we are unlikely to do anything more unless a great opportunity arises or arrives. Uh, and I believe uh, an opportunity will arrive. I, I don't think we're done for the window. I think a central midfielder will be brought in. Um, so hopefully that answers your question. De Jong interest, yes, I have heard of De Jong interest, but I think there's a 
there's a player from Brighton that is our priority, main, main priority. Um, and let's just hope, and I'm like you guys, let's just hope and pray we can get over the line. Because for me, there's no, no, for me, there's no better signing. And these guys can give their opinions after I've gone in terms of what they feel we need squad-wise and whatever in this window. And then obviously in the summer. But for me, Moises Casado would be an absolute perfect, perfect player for us right now. Guys, um, good luck. Have fun. Enjoy. Uh, smash those likes, guys. Show some love to the people then. Um, and don't get me cancelled or, or struck off, right, guys? Be good. Be good. Be good. I'll see you Bye, soon. Grace. Love you all. Love you all. See you soon. Cheers, Bye-bye. Are we just going mental now? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, let's <laughs> not give him stressing him out before us to go in the big six. I think I've never seen the chat move so quick there. It's like get over, get get out of here. Um but I think what we're gonna say is I think Grizz just made that point as well. Um obviously Casero. So can we have just a little chat on that about if there's I am Casero. I don't know if you any of you guys are any different if he's the ideal midfield target in January. Jamie, I think I don't think we spoke to you about this. Who who would who would would he be your ideal target? Look, I'm going to be honest. I'm not exactly a, a scout of Moises Caicedo, but from the several times that I've watched him, he, he does seem very strong and athletic. And I feel like it's the most obvious thing to say right now, but this midfield needs legs and strength. I mean, Tiago's never been known for his athletic prowess, and he seemed like he was doing a triathlon in the past game, trying to just get through the midfield and run things. And so if this guy can bring some sort of brute force, pace, and strength, I feel like that's something that we're desperately, desperately lacking. But to backpack off of what Evan was saying, in terms of new owners coming in whenever that is and the feel-good factor coming back, I miss, to backpack off Evan's point, when all of Liverpool's moves seemed calculated to a point where when they were done, they just felt correct and right. And with this past summer, with the Arthur Mello move and the Chuameni move falling through, it kind of felt like we were just, you know, left with our hands in the air going, you know, what's happened here? And that was something that I felt was very uncharacteristic for Liverpool. And maybe that could have been related to a multitude of things with Ward and Edwards coming in and leaving now within the same span of like 12 months. So hopefully with whatever transfer business we do do, it's something that is planned out in a way where it gets back to the yeah. signings of old in a progression where it seems like we needed different reinforcements in different areas and they would simultaneously come in at the windows with which we were coinciding with our success. Yeah, no, I think that's very, very good point. I know that Evan just put up that comment there. I think it was that's. I think anybody would, would help at the moment, and I tend to not not be um, too flippant about that, but I tend to agree. Um, what I was going to say though, as well, um, I meant to ask because I think the rest of us have, have kind of spoke on that. I feel like Casado is the most likely one. We'll, we'll see if it happens as well. But um, I know we've done been on for about an hour, just over an hour, guys. I wanted to just chat to you because we never really the chance to get into the show about Brentford which is tomorrow at half past five um, the, the, obviously quite a, a big game after today's results with Spurs and Chelsea which I'm sure um, the big six panel are going to get absolutely <laughs> uh, Matisse and Toby are going to get I'm, I'm sure they'll be excited for this show but but on that um, 
Cav, I was going to ask you, what's your thoughts on the game tomorrow? Because I've got to be honest, mate, and to everyone, I'm worried because in general, when we're playing well, I feel like this is a hard game. Brentford away, Thomas Frank, very intelligent tactical manager. What are you, how are you feeling towards the game, Cav? I match your thoughts. I'm a bit worried because Brentford, uh, they may or may not be without Tony. Uh, obviously, we know he's a big player for them, but they are a really tough team to play against. You don't get gimmies against um, Brentford usually. I think they've got eight draws this season. So um, we hope it's not the same result because draws are like losses, I guess, for Liverpool um, at any stage in the season, but particularly now when we're trying to make up ground on people. Um Obviously, it's a way, I believe it's a late kickoff as well. So we just need to be careful and try and control the crowd as much as we can. Because we've seen um, games, you know, just as an example, Arsenal first game of the season away to Brentford. It is a crowd that can, you know, really get behind their team and it can become a bit hostile. And, and teams can cave under that pressure, although we should really have too much experience and quality in our team to sort of to succumb to that. I'm a bit concerned about the threats that they pose, as I say, and I think it'll be a tough going. But even more so, we've mentioned it, the consistency of Liverpool. We're consistently getting results with four wins on the bounce, but performances are, um, are, are up and down. In the game, we're creating chances. I think a large part of that is down to Nunes and his impact for us going forward. And then we're also conceding just as many. And that's the worrying thing, you know, four wins on the bounce. But to be honest, they could have been two wins, two losses, you know, three wins, a draw. It could have been any kind of result in these games. So I think it's a tough ask. I'm not sure if, um, unless I've missed it, guys, Klopp's done his press conference. Did I, has he done it yet? Have I missed that one? I don't think he has. No, so... So there's a lot of unknowns with regards to Elliot, Fabinho, um, Robertson, um, and, and a few other guys that looks like they got knocks in the last game. So it's a bit difficult to make a lineup for tomorrow's game at this stage until we hear any more. Um, so we could have a bit of a makeshift, if you like, midfield in there. And then obviously forward line we've spoke about front Nunes and and um Salah are, are guaranteed to start but that left-hand side again looks a little bit lacking in terms of creativity and what we need out of this Liverpool side um the exciting thing is there might be a return of Canate tomorrow who's um obviously a stellar defender and I think actually I said earlier probably like one of the most informed guys for Liverpool I know it's a bit strange to say because he's been away at the World Cup and stuff but think about the, the team that could start tomorrow I think he's one that steps in and He's probably full of confidence, you know, and and feels you know good about himself. And we probably need a little bit of that just to, you know, ripple through the rest of the team and provide a bit of energy. So um, I'm expecting, to be honest, a similar game to what we've seen against Villa and against Leicester, whereby we'll create chances and we'll also concede some, and then it will simply come down to who takes them. I, I'm expecting a bit of a a score draw, but I'm still expecting us to win because I think we'll have enough out there to do so. No, I, I agree. I think a lot of those points are spot on, to be honest. Evan, I know we speak about the midfielder thing a lot um, and I'll get Steve's opinion on, on the match as well, but I just wanted to ask you, see, I'm actually, the more I watch Brentford, I'm actually, the more I'm impressed because they, they, he's very, um, they do adapt quite well against different teams and I feel like um, they they have got quite a lot of legs in midfield, depending on who they play. Athletic midfield is that area that would worry you um, with the game tomorrow. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the the midfield is a is a worry in every game. Yeah, I, I don't mean to be such a doomsday prepper or uh, you know, you know, someone who. That's a fair point, fear. Evan. That's a fair it, point, it, man. Yeah, I I mean, I I don't mean to be a guy who propagates fear in the fan base or you know, because I I have seen our midfield look good at, at times this season. Uh, it's it's not, it's certainly not the worst midfield in the league. Um, the uh. A tweet of mine that I keep coming back to that I tweeted at the start of the season, I think probably after Forest, was Liverpool are certainly not the worst team in the Premier League, but we are the easiest team in the league to play against. Because I, I think with our current midfield, with its uh, lack of depth, with its lack of a certain physical profile, with the lack of options, I think if you can reduce the game to a battle of 50-50s and physical you know, physical confrontations in the middle of the park in between our back line and our forward three, I think you have a very good chance of getting a result. Whereas before, you know, the, the previous three years of the club era, we've been more accustomed to teams saying, okay, if we can camp our box really well, we might be able to hold Liverpool to a drop. And now teams are becoming more daring against us because they back themselves physically. And it's so it's such a polar opposite to how it used to be because, um, you know, two, three years ago, you know, at, at our peak under Klopp thus far, if you reduce the game to 50-50s in the middle of the park versus Liverpool, you were going to get absolutely trampled. Absolutely trampled. It used to be, we, we looked forward to playing against teams that would come out of their shell against us. And I'm not saying teams are uh, attacking gung-ho philosophy against us now. No, teams are still playing as conservatively, but they've, they've established a new front for it is what I'm saying. It's, it's no longer uh, fully part of us. Teams still are doing that somewhat, but it's, it's now let's let's come out let's take it like one space further because now we can actually create chances against liverpool because they cannot control 90 percent of the game um and the the lack of winning duels in the midfield really hurts us and you know i i talked so much about how forest away hurt me on a personal level i mean how many how many midfield duels were you going to win with a midfield of Fabinho, Curtis Jones, and Harvey Elliott, all due respect to them and what they can do uh, individually as players. Um, so it's uh, it, it's disappointing because that, that's the most frustrating thing for me with the midfield is I, is I look to it in, the, in games we are doing well, and it's like we cannot win a, win a duel. Like in the midfield, we just cannot just recover the ball uh, successfully. Um, so, yeah, that's my big fear against Brentford because they're younger than us. They got a lot of energy. Uh, Mateus Jensen in, in midfield is having an incredible season yeah, for them. Absolutely incredible season. Really underrated player. Um, so yeah, the, the midfield is always a worry. Um, I, nowadays, what I think you have to hope for in midfield is you cannot expect us to win a majority of the physical battles. You have to hope that we will be nearly flawless technically. So you have to hope that Tiago is really on it like he was, uh, against Leicester and you have to hope that you know Henderson's range of passing is looking good you have to hope that our like our build-up like actually touching and moving the ball around is nearly perfect because if the game unravels in the middle of the park 
you, you have reason to be afraid and I, i'm not trying to be too negative no i hear you evan i think i think tomorrow especially brentford too as i say they they know how to exploit teams weaknesses um and i think as you said even the players they have coming off the bench like I know he's not a midfielder, but De Silva come. He's I think he starts against West Ham and scores. He came on against in the previous match. I've forgotten who it was against, but it's like they've got a good squad there. Um, Steve, what's, what's your thoughts just overall in the, the, the game tomorrow? You feeling yeah, I mean, nervous? The same. I think the boys have, have covered our inadequacies in the centre of midfield quite well. Um, what we are in danger of becoming is a long ball team because we don't trust our midfield. So because we've got this. Um, ridiculous pace in Nunes who is so so quick it's not true um we're looking at pockets of space to play the ball into for him to run onto that happens because our defensive line is so deep so much work to do to build play through a, a midfield that's not functioning particularly well to try and play slide rule passes for, for forwards now what we're doing is going longer quicker the transition is a lot quicker there's no build-up play anymore i was watching it the other day thinking christ we're in danger of being labeled a long ball side here because we know where our strength is at the moment and that's put the ball get nunez to identify an isolated defender one-on-one -on -one. there is not a defender in world football that has a chance of keeping up with that guy if he isolates you he will destroy you he's quicker than you with the ball than you are without it's it's insane the pace the guy's got um if he ever finds his shooting boots, world football's in trouble, by the way, because that guy will score half full of goals because the positions he gets himself into. Um, third man running is absolutely destroyed us this season, and it's a big, big concern. Um, the goal against Leicester, where Dewsbury Hall runs half the length of the pitch, is because the press is gone. The press is, is, a, is, a, is a team press. If you watch Liverpool when they press well, in, from an elevated view, they move as a unit, they come out as a unit, they move as a unit, they press as a unit. We're now doing it in stages. Someone will try and press in the front three. The midfield don't read the press. It's too, too easy a ball out. Um, the goal against Leicester comes from Henderson attempting to press, which he, he's late to do it. Then he's got to make a challenge and he doesn't make that challenge and the guy runs off the back of him and as we know, he scores a goal. Um our midfield is, is so soft-centred right now. It's, it's a real genuine concern. If you if you, if you you play in Liverpool, you overload your midfield, whether you do it per se or not. You would always go for a five in midfield to try and overrun us at the moment. And as, and as Evan said before, going from Thiago Henderson, sorry, Fabinho Henderson and Wijnaldum, which was the most resolute, if not spectacular midfield that you just didn't get by, we're now just sitting there watching people run off us. So I think I think there'll be chances both ways. I think they're dangerous. Um, Ivan Tony's playing as much football as he can now because he's probably going to get banned for about the next 35 years. Um, okay, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if he'll start. He probably will. I think he said he, he should be fit. Um, so take that you know as a pinch of salt. But I think he'll definitely be in the squad. We'll see if he starts. I mean, following on his own, on his own, yeah. sorry, mate, on his own, he's not the only danger. Anything, anything their midfield does, which puts us under pressure, becomes a risk, and because and it makes our defence line up really, really deep. We're not playing with a high back line at the moment because we can't rely on the midfield to do their job, and that's because there's no energy and there's no pace in there. And as much as I think Caicedo really, really helps on his own, it's possibly not enough. I think that's a, a very fair point. I, I was going to say as well, see, like, uh, Yanel, if you watch him, 
even last season in the free free, he caused us a lot of problems, and he's done it to other teams. It's not just us, but there's as you as you say, there, there's a lot. Um, I know Project Five M. As you said, I, I bet you Tony starts tomorrow. That's a, quite a good pun there. Um, but with with regard to that, Steve, I think a really really good point as well. That I, I think we've all noticed this. But see when you've got certain strengths as well. So see when you've got a trend in your team, and this is before Nunez came. I still think we always like would rely him to pull something out out the hat, which he can, and obviously you're going to use that. But I feel like even when Nunez came in the team, it's just accelerated that. They're just like, I'll oh, give the ball to Trent. And because he's got that in his locker to find Nunez four or five times a match, sometimes I feel like, especially right now, as you said, Steve, we just go for that all the time because we know there's a chance of it being successful instead of mm-hmm. mixing our game up. So I think that's a, a really, really good point. And um, yeah, it's just, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because we could end up playing that game tomorrow and win 2-1 because of strength, uh, Trent's ability. But at the same time, you want to have more about the team. And, and Evan said as well, it's like, to mo- my worry about tomorrow is, do you remember when we've seen Everton away and we played Elliot and Carvalho as a two eights? And we've done it uh, obviously against Not- uh, Nottingham Forest as well. In those games, I've always felt, I think Evan's spot on with that, is like you have to be technically perfect if that game plan comes off. I'm not saying we're in the same level, but if you look at some Spanish teams, like that's how they play and they'll back that. But I think it's shown that we re- realistically are not able to carry out that performance 100%. So that's why these games always worry me. And especially a team with Thomas Frank who will look to exploit that. I'm nervous tomorrow. I feel like someone in the chat said earlier, I feel like a score win is our best chance tomorrow. I will not keep a clean sheet. I'd be very surprised if we kept a clean sheet tomorrow. Because um, we can't even do that anyway, to be honest. So yeah. that's what it looks like. Is that is that the, the WhatsApp chat going off there? <laughs> Probably. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in general, guys, I think I just wanted to do a wee snippet on that. And obviously, we've done the highs and lows of the season. But just, you know, for the last five minutes, is there anything else? Jamie, I know you didn't get, really speak on the, the Brentford thing. Is there anything else anyone wants to add before we finish up? Yeah, I guess the one thing I would want to say is I feel like one of the things that helped alleviate some of the pressure on us last year was when Luis Diaz came in the side and we could sort of give the ball to him on an island on the on the left side of the field. And I remember this distinctively against Chelsea, we're struggling very, very much to break out. And I think it might have been the first cup final in the Carabao Cup final. And just giving Luis Diaz the ball in the wing, and it was able to give us depth throughout the pitch that we, we didn't have before that. And also, with, with the departure of Sadio Mane, and he had been playing a lot in the middle of the pitch last year, I think that having Luis Diaz and Sadio Mane at that point was something that could alleviate lots of pressure in the team. Because as we're talking about needing to have very, very technically perfect performances to not get overrun in midfield, Sadio and Luis Diaz could alleviate that with getting the pass up the pitch and then moving our entire squad up the field. And so hopefully, maybe with our new addition, Cody Gakpo, we can finally see some of that isolation so that we can get balls in from much closer to Nunes as opposed to long balls where, you know, sometimes Trent has the the, the propensity to take risk passes where there are situations where he'll hit the ball into the corridor or he'll hit a line drive. And I'm not going to say that it's our worst option right now, as everyone's touched on, but I want to see us get into more predictable patterns of play and get into situations that can involve Nunez, because I think Nunez, he's not feeding off of scraps now, 
but I want to see repeated goals from him the way I've seen Mo Salah score repeated goals, where it's a cutback at the back stick and Mo's making the run off the top of the box. And like the chance he missed the other day, where it was curling right to the left of, um, of the upright on that side. And so, look, we've mentioned this before on this channel, but the consistency of getting players together in rhythm is so paramount. So hopefully Cody Gakpo can can hit the ground running. He can feature tomorrow, can he? As far as I, I was aware, he can. Evan, sorry, we're going to say. I guess no, the way, I don't know if the work permits come through yet. There's, there's no, no sort of press announcements about that. Maybe it's just a given that it will be because those things get brushed through, don't they? So um, I don't. I think he's a 60-30. I think he'll play Ox for an hour. And if, if Gakpo plays at all, it'll be for the last 30. I think that's a really good point. I could realistically see that happening as well because Klopp tends to do that as well. But, you know, we'll see. I just, uh, I've got the super chat. I just came in there and I have to ask Evan this and that's just assuming. But me and Evan spoke about this last week, actually. We spoke about... Um, uh, is it McKay? We spoke McKenney and Adams last week after the World Cup performances. But Evan, um, Albert says Tyler Adams is as good as Casado and much cheaper. Um, I think because he's just signed a contract um, at Leeds, I don't know if he would be much cheaper. Uh, he certainly wouldn't be objectively cheap, but uh, I mean, Brighton hold all the cards with Casado, uh, as we know. Uh, there's, I, I can't see personally any clear. Uh, like incentive for them to sell Caicedo in January. Uh, and obviously Tyler Adams, you know, maybe not as big of an asset to Leeds as Caicedo is to Brighton, maybe. But um, the underlying numbers for Tyler Adams are uh, much more impressive uh, than Caicedo's in the Premier League. Tyler Adams recovers the ball um, much more often than Caicedo does, and he progresses the ball. Uh, much more often than Caicedo does. And I consider progressive ball winners uh, to be the best midfielders in the league. Uh, at, the, at the top of the metrics, you have guys like Kevin De Bruyne and Rodri. So, uh, yeah, Tyler Adams is not someone I need uh, any sales pitch on, but I'm happy to give it to you. Yeah, no, to be honest, since we spoke, I'm actually being more impressed, especially after the World Cup. I knew he was a good signing. We've watched him for, um, it was Leipzig. It was Leipzig. It was very, like, um, versatile as well. I think he played at wing back a few times as well for Leipzig. Mm -hmm. But I know I actually think he has been. So I think that's a fair comment. Um just before we finish up guys, anything else to add? I mean it's been a cracking show and the highs and lows. It's always good. It's always very therapeutic to speak to you guys. And this is when we're winning as well. So <laughs> anything else to add guys before we finish up? Just 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 one thing I wanted to mention. It's only a little thing. It looks as though we might have uh Trent back looks very um off well this done, season. Cal. watch this now mate disaster <laughs> i'm touching wood i'm touching wood guys no, I'm, on, on I'm just i just want to mention him because um he's not been good this season and and on top of that his attitudes look a bit off some people question him maybe something going on in his personal life because he's he just never seemed happy for some reason but uh the past past couple of games since uh we've come back off the break he's looked really motivated again and look a motivated trend we know he can switch off and we know he does have lapses in his concentration at times and we can be um, got at with that. But um, what he can deliver for this team, and we talk about, as Jamie's mentioned, patterns of play and our attacking build-up needs to be better. Well, we have an absolutely world-class creator in our team and hopefully him, along with some of the other guys, 
look as though they've got their mojo back. And that's going to go a long way for us achieving what we need to this season. So I just wanted to highlight it because he's a special, special player. And um, I feel like he's someone that's been at a had a real low this season. And it looks as though he's on his way back up. So if we're going to get anything out of tomorrow's game. He's going to have to put in another stellar performance. Spot on. I actually think he had an interview was it with Gary Neville and Carragher after the game, um, the Leicester game, and I think you could you could see he, he obviously he addressed a few of those points those points which are very good points as well. Cav, I feel like the thing with me is um, with Trent. See when he's absolutely at it attacking wise and he's defending you know reasonably well. I feel like fr from us, other people will address it more like they'll put the, the spotlight on him. But I feel like you know you know where he is. You know how good he can be. I feel like as you said because he's been poor this season. It's like well. He's not really shown us anything, which we know where he can be. He's just having a he's out of form. But those yeah. those kind of haters are just gonna just jump on that even more as they do. I don't think there is a fullback who gets as much um of a microscope on him as Trent does. But I have to say, as we're talking about that ball in Nunes, I've got to be honest, I think we I said this before, we underestimate how good he he is in the top five passers in the world. With I I would honestly argue with anyone like because if, if you actually see the passes, it's not the same pass, the variety in his game, the pass to Robertson for Salah's first goal against Villa, I think he's easily in the top five passers in the world right now. I think it's unbelievable. I just think because we, we normalise it slightly because we see it all the time. He is a joke and I think it's a, a very, very, very good point, Cav. So hopefully tomorrow you've not jinxed it, mate. Because um, if he does, I'll come, I'm, I'm not even on the post-match, but I'll come on the post-match just to be like, <laughs> why did you say anything? <laughs> but yeah, no, I think, all jokes aside, um, yeah, he's, he is just ridiculous and hopefully continues that form. But yeah, guys, it's been a, a top, top show. I'll let you, I know it's evening some places, it's afternoon for Evan, so I'll let him go and enjoy the, the great American weather, I'm sure, same as Jamie. Um, but yeah, guys, top, top show. Um, and just before we finish up, anything, are we good to go? All good. Good to go. All okay. good to go, right? Well, chat as always, thanks very much. And it's been a brilliant year. I know Grizz always done the show there, but I wanted to say that as well. The chat, always amazing. So big up yourselves, always outstanding. And the guys, it's been fantastic as always. And yeah, Red Fellas, and it is a Sunday night. We got mixed up earlier. It is a Sunday night. So yeah, everyone take care and we will see you soon. Cheers. <laughs>